1: Well, hey there, Broncos and Bronquettes. This is Mark coming to you for a country music episode of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, episode 218. I am joined today by my favorite little filly, Sarah D. Bunting. Hey,
0: Sarah. Well, hi.
1: (laughs) Now, Sarah, you chose the song that we're going to be talking about today. What is on the docket?
0: I did choose the song, I Am Not Necessarily That Proud. Of the choice, I have some regrets. <laughs> we'll get into it. I selected "Kiss an Angel Good Morning" from the recently late Charlie Pride, um, one of country music's only heroes of color. Um, still, <laughs> to this day, um, and I realized upon his passing that, except for the segment on him in the Ken Burns Country Music series, um. I knew nothing about, like, the actual music had not stuck with me, so I thought now would be a good opportunity to select what appears to be his most famous and successful song and discuss it. This might be the fewest notes I ever took for an episode, (laughs) but before I elaborate on basically nothing, shall we hear a clip?
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> I can get to everything that I might want to say after that
0: Okay, here is a clip from Charlie Pride's 1971 hit Covered many times, but originated by him 50 years ago Kiss an angel, good morning The secret I'm speaking of Is a woman and a man in love And the answer is in this song that I always sing. You've got to kiss an angel good morning. And let her know you think about her when you're gone. Kiss an angel good morning. And love her like the devil when you get back home. Kiss an angel good morning. Okay um here's Mm -hmm. the thing this is i have some i have some not theories but like i have some questions about why this might be so but um this has as i said been covered by many um legends including george jones percy sledge alan jackson uh conway twitty who the first note i took was that it sounded like those ads from when i was little um for conway twitty's like double album on vinyl and you could order it COD because it was the Mm. past. It was just one of those as seen on TV products that like, that's the only fit. Like that's my only contact with Conway Twitty was that why they were advertising it during I love Lucy reruns in New Jersey. I don't know. Um, I also always thought Twitty city was pretty ballsy anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this this is kind of a boring song. It sounds like it could be a parody of a country song. It's very short. You've heard a quarter of it just now. Um, it's not a particularly compelling vocal. With that said, that does leave it open. For people to cover it and embroider it and reinterpret it. And I'm wondering if a country star of color might have felt like something not particularly challenging or spicy might be the way to go earlier in his career. Although when he when this came out, he was like in his 30s already, but still.
1: My guess is that by this point, Charlie Pride had been around for about five years and had had a shitload of hits. Like, it is remarkable how many hit songs this man had over his 20 years in the at the peak of his career. Yeah. And that by the time he got to this point, he did what still happens in all country music and really pop music and rap music and all music. I think he just started making safe hits because right. he was popular and he didn't want to rock the boat he had built for himself. Right now. I don't know very much about Charlie pride's biography, so I don't actually know. It might also be what you just said. And it is, I wish that it were possible to talk about Charlie pride's music without talking about Charlie pride's ethnicity. Yeah. agree. But it isn't. We all are like you. You, like Charlie Pride is an excellent, mu- Charlie Pride is an undeniably mega successful musician. I was shocked to learn that he sold something like seventy million albums and singles combined. Yeah, and that apparently, at its for a time, he was second only to uh, Elvis Presley in terms of sales for the RCA label. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me, this song just epitomizes the tapioca blandness of the nashville sound which is that era of country music that was happening in the 70s also called countrypolitan that included smoothed out backing vocals like we just heard mm-hmm. there were often um strings on the songs and anyone who thinks that country sounds too much like pop is a new accusation just needs to go back to this era mm, yeah. and i i think that Charlie Pratt succeeded in being just as bland as all of the other country stars of this period. (laughs) Yay. Yay. That's the thing I keep coming back to. It's like, this song is bad and good for you that you got to be mediocre in exactly the same way that a white country artist got to be. Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's progress.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because this song was selected like you sort of you go to Apple Music and you're like Charlie Pride and then it's like songs and then your entire screen fills. There's like a gazillion. But if you're not already kind of plugged in to his songbook, it's like, all right, let's reorder or let's change the view on this screen so that it gives you the little um, uh, the little meter Mm -hmm. of how popular each one is. That it's like, uh, what you're probably looking for is this. And no matter where I searched, Apple Music, YouTube, like this song always came up like at the top. So I was like, okay, so we're going to do Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. And it's like, her? (laughs) Like, yeah, I just, I could not find a handhold on this song anywhere. That it's like, is this a bad vocal no but if it had any if it had any like scratchiness to it or like it was a little bit crapped up then at least i would be able to plug into it it's like certain american idol performances where you're like it's the fact that you can see the sparks coming off it (laughs) that that makes it human and compelling and art um But this, like, seemed so low difficulty, low energy, low commitment that, uh, I mean, I think your theory is the right one, is that he'd been around long enough and he was like, this is the kind of shit that, like, I can put it out, people will cover it, they'll always mention my name, and then I'll sell more records that way. Like, sure. It's not my money. Go ahead. You
1: know, it seems like this was the endemic to so much pop music in the early 70s so many bland ass completely forgettable hits the the one thing that i will say about this song is that if you squint at it correctly the (laughs) lyrics of the chorus do sound a little bit raunchy you've got to kiss an angel good morning and let her know you think about her when you're gone kiss an angel good morning and love her like the devil when you get back home Now, I have to almost break my back to twist myself into a way of saying, well, maybe Lover Like the Devil means fucker real good. Right. Um, But the song, I have to add all of that personality onto it.
0: I'm pretty sure it does. But then, because you and I had talked about this in passing before we recorded, and you called it almost shockingly vulgar. And when I was listening to it later, I was like, I think the shocking part is that it's really not vulgar and right. there's no, like there's a certain kind of vulgarity specific to country music where the word play is the point. And it's like that however many times you can add these nuts while you're singing along to a song It's like a badge of honor for certain songs and certain artists. Right. And I'm like, I'm with that. That's one of the things I like about the genre but this one really seemed like there was none of that, like, winking wit about, we're actually talking about fucking.
1: Right, exactly. It's, it's just exactly, like, that's too, exactly right. It it's is too straight on. About oh, sorry.
0: It, it's just too straight on that he's like, he doesn't even have to add a sort of like, like musical signature to be like, just in case you were wondering. I'm talking about like oh all day I'll be uh sex glowing and then maybe in the at the office I'll jerk off thinking about her and then I'll get home and fuck her real good like
1: Yeah and that that I do think it would have been neat. possible to put that into this song somehow but he just gives it such a middle of the road I'm not aiming to rock mm-hmm. any boats interpretation that none of that is present in the version that he recorded Yeah I did listen to some more of the songs on the Charlie Pride Essentials playlist on Apple Music because, like you, I was thinking, this lady? And I, <laughs> I thought, no, like, I, it, there has to be more yeah, to this artist than this piece of shit song. So I am glad <laughs> that I listened to a few of the other songs, including a song called Is Anybody Going to San Antone, which right, is when I he like decides that, that he's going to leave his woman and she, even if she doesn't want him to because he can't take it anymore. And a song that I actually really loved called Mississippi Cotton Picking Delta Town, which was a number three hit somewhere in the vast array of hits that he had. And that one is a very specific story about growing up dirt poor in the Mississippi Delta, which he did. And in that song, there is an actual personality in his voice. And I thought, oh, OK, at least I can hold on to this and somewhat with these experiences, understand why Charlie pride is a name that I've known for a long time. And it's not because I ever want to hear kiss an angel. Good morning again. And I actually would listen to Mississippi cotton pick and Delta town again.
0: Okay. Um, I listened to other versions of the song. Wondering if it was perhaps possible to embroider this. Um, Mm. I got through the whole George Jones one and like, George Jones's voice is amazing. Um, He has this timbre that's just, I mean, his voice is amazing. You may not care for the arrangements, and I often don't. um, But his voice just alone was great. And I was looking forward to seeing what he did with this. (laughs) <laughs> eh.
1: And then I sort of
0: started down the path of Alan Jackson and was like, Oh, that's right. I hate Alan Jackson. <laughs> and I gave up after like 45 seconds, but it's like, I think this song is just like, I think it's just quotidian. Yeah. But like of its era. It's not, it doesn't quite sink to the level of like offensively boring, but it's just like, n- no, Thanks.
1: I do appreciate that I listened to more Charlie pride and you listened to more covers of this song. It's like, I took the X axis and you took the Y axis.
0: (laughs) And here we are at, you know, zero. Um, Yeah. Because I just wanted to see like, is it, is it the song or is it the singer? Right. And I, it sounds like it's definitely not the singer. And I was assuming it wasn't the singer, but I was also like, this has been covered really a lot of times for a song that I'm not understanding why anyone would want to hear it twice, much less <laughs> several times a day once it right. goes up the charts done by someone else. But
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting to think country music in the 70s and the 80s too, really, was dominated by a rapid turnover on the radio, meaning artists would release something like an album a year, sometimes multiple albums a year. This was true of pop artists too, but it was especially true in country. And songs would just get to, num- there were years and years and years in a row where there was never a song that spent more than a single week at number one. Mm-hmm. I mean like years. And so the churn of product, I think has actually not been great for the cultural memory of about these songs because mm-hmm. nothing, stuck for very long. And it was just sort of like a, an assembly line of of like crap, honestly, or like it, it, mildly inoffensive sometimes, sometimes actually good, but like there's just so much of it who can remember. It's like streaming TV. It was peak country music. <laughs> and I think that um it's hard to know where to start when you look at someone like Charlie Pride who I'm just going to do a quick little count. I've got his uh Wikipedia discography page open from 1966 to 1979 he released let's see i I mean i can't even take the time to count because we'll be here all day but he released at least 40 singles in 13 years it's like that's too much yeah that is too much and every artist did that so it's hard to look back maybe there are one or two or three to maybe even seven country songs i mean jolene obviously rises above the mess and we remember Jolene and mm-hmm. um, like certain Johnny Cash songs, but those are like actual geniuses. And I think that Charlie Pride, from what I've been able to hear, was a really wonderful singer who wasn't necessarily a genius. He was just like good at this. He didn't write not, the song, something Dan Peters wrote it. Yeah, he did not write this song. Yeah, if you're not a genius, it's hard to rise above this. But then that also. wants I I do feel like, Sarah, I want to briefly touch on again what I said about. I I think it maybe is a weird kind of, of victory that Charlie Pride was able to just, make, the same tapioca country music that everybody else made. Hmm. I I don't know. It's so thorny and sticky thinking about country music's relationship to race, but. Yeah. I mean, but
0: I, I think it's also unfortunate that for someone like me, who's like, okay, I know that this person is significant um, in the genre, but I'm not familiar with the work. So I'm going to let the algorithm tell me and like the algorithm is going to keep doing this to people. Right. Because I was like, add and now it that's one more person who added um Kiss an Angel Good Morning instead of the Mississippi Delta Town song that you mentioned, which is better and has a personality. And it's like like how how did this happen? Like why algorithm do better? Right. But you know, it's it's unfortunate that I I think that this artist had a unique Uh, even if he wasn't necessarily writing his own material. And I, again, don't know enough about him and don't know uh, like what proportions of his singles he was writing, if any,
1: but I don't think he wrote any of his songs from what I can tell,
0: but there, there is a skill set involved in picking your songs. And it's like, I just wish that this had not been the one that the world suggested was emblematic Mm -hmm. of charlie pride when my recollection from and it's you know it's been a minute since i watched the country music thing but my recollection is that he had a wonderful interpretive gift and that he like the songs were good like i didn't come up with this for no reason at all like plenty of musicians have passed in the tenure of this podcast that we didn't rush to we didn't necessarily rush to cover their stuff but i don't know i i think that's a shame that the algorithm is doing that and hopefully we will um not be contributing to the hegemony in search of kiss an angel good morning but i mean The sad thing is we're talking about the algorithm and other songs entirely and a documentary instead of the song because the song's a C.
1: At best. Yeah. And it is – you're really getting at something that is so striking about the way that we approach – or the the tools that we now mostly use to find art that we don't already know. Because clearly – if Charlie Pride were only cranking out C minus hits, he would not have been popular for 20 years. He wouldn't have sold 70 million albums and singles. Like, you you don't you don't ride that long on the fumes of nothing that this song uh, emits. <laughs> the fumes but like of I don't nothing. <laughs> Perfectly put. <laughs> it's like, and is that Ozone? Dumb, dumb. No.
0: <laughs> You've just fallen asleep.
1: <laughs> I feel like that fumes of nothing is the next thing that you sing after phantom. (laughs) (laughs) Phantom. But it just, it it does feel overwhelming to think about a blind spot that I have like Charlie pride and be like, well, damn, uh, I tried y'all. It's just fascinating how that goes.
0: Yeah. Well, and is that going to be, I sometimes, I sometimes think about that in regards to, um, Actors who had, who should be known for something else, but had such a signature moment in one episode Mm -hmm. of one TV show, like Jenny O'Hara, character actor, as Scott Scanlon's mom on 90210. And I think I wrote in the book, like, if this isn't the lead in the obit, it should be. But sort of thinking about what is going to be the lead in the obit and whether that's fair and that many obits are written in advance. And it's like, well, right. you know, maybe this isn't the best thing, but it's the best known. And is it my, the obit writer's job t- to be like, this might have gone to number one, but it was kind of garbage time. Listen to these instead. Like, it's it's just such an interesting thing, like you said, to think about, like, if it were 30 years ago, how would I have gone about acquainting myself with the charlie pride songbook right completely I mean, different process that i that, yeah that i think would have worked better for my listening experience honestly which would have been like literally going to a record store and being like do you have this yep what should i get
1: uh, and i was going to say what would have happened to me probably is that someone in my family would have had the best of charlie pride cassette that we bought at some i sort of truck stop. Uh-huh. And that would have just been what we listened to. And then there would have been songs that weren't this, that I would have heard because you're <laughs> right. The algorithm gives you one thing, but a, a greatest hits album gives you 15. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it is something that we've lost because we let the algorithm do the work. And yet, of course I let the algorithm do the work. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm there's just a, a person. Lot of,
0: there's a lot of work and the algorithm usually helps, but you know, b- being aware that, I mean, what would the algorithm, like if you just put Madonna, like if you started a completely new Apple music account as like bark Blankenship and <laughs> we're like, okay, you just put in Madonna and then you clicked on the songs and you sorted it according to that little meter. Like how, how good is that as a result? Because on okay, the Okay. So hand, when I
1: put in the Madonna essentials playlist, Here are the first one, two, three, four, five songs on the Madonna Essentials playlist. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, Vogue. Hmm, Okay. Number two, Like a Prayer. Okay. Into the Groove. Nice. Holiday. Uh huh. And Papa Don't Preach.
0: Well, I mean, I can't argue
1: with that. Yeah. But okay. But then it says, so it's like, I feel like who who is someone who like maybe we know their music well enough to know that their biggest hit is also kind of shitty compared to the output that they've created. Right.
0: Hmm. Otherwise.
1: Like who, if you were like, I'm interested to know more? Well, Elton obviously John Joan Osborne. Elton John. Perfect example. Elton John is perfect. Okay, let's look at the Elton John Essentials. Okay. According to Apple Music. Oh, here we go. Yeah, see, huh. Oh. Tiny Dancer.
0: Yeah, I mean, fine. Your Song. Okay.
1: Rocket Man. Okay. Crocodile Rock. Ugh. Ugh. But then, finally, you get to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. But again, it's like, if you just, I I actually think that Crocodile Rock is a crime. Yeah, I hate that song. But Elton John is the perfect example, like there are so many Elton John albums, but you have to go pretty deep to get to some of the, my favorite Elton John songs,
0: yeah, I am just su- very surprised that um the Princess Diana song was not anywhere in that top five. Never mind that it wasn't number one.
1: Let's see. Does it even show up on the well, the original candle in the Wind shows up, okay. No, in a 38 song Essentials playlist, it does not appear.
0: Wow. Thank you, Essentials playlist. <laughs> um, but ah, then, ah, you ah. know, I was the one who kind of, like Elton John's real like classics were just sort of wallpaper for me as a child. But then I really um, was very strongly bonded to Too Low for Zero. Mm-hmm. Which I think think is not particularly well regarded although it was like quintuple platinum or something but i i mean i love that album it might not be that good and the big hits off it i'm not crazy about like i guess that's why they call it the blues i don't like it but one more arrow is good have,
1: have you never been rolling like thunder under the covers
0: oh god i don't get it mark Maybe if I kissed an angel, good morning.
1: <laughs> oh, kiss him. Yeah. Kiss him. Good morning. Kiss him.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, Mr. Pride, uh, I, I regret selecting this song. I hope that we did not dishonor your memory with this discussion. But I mean, you can't win them all. Sometimes investigating why a pick was bad is what the episode turns into as here. So um, we're going to kiss an angel good evening and bid you adieu.
1: And I'm not disappointed by the cul-de-sacs and byways that we went down. <laughs> no. um, so, Charlie, we kind of left you at the station a while ago, but we, we ended up in some <laughs> other interesting places. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and if anyone is uh, on their way to San Antonio, please pick Mr. Pride and his luggage up. to sweet.
1: Ha <laughs> Said I wanna grow up and
0: look like Robin Nichols. And I hope that while I'm gone, there'll be some sea that I miss here.
1: Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting.
0: That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Bleave Network. Learn more at B-L-E-A-V
1: To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at Songs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark
0: and Sarah with an h talkaboutsongs.com and for even more content and access to the Mastass happy hour become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com/mastass thanks for listening
1: mom